and scholars. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, where we talk smart and fuck smarter. I'm Nicoletta, and I'm a marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And I'm Simone, Nicoletta's friend who likes to talk about fucking, and I'm also a law student. Uh, This week, we are joined by Amy Harwick. She's a licensed uh, MFT in private practice in West Hollywood. She's the author of The New Sex Bible for Women and is often quoted in print and can be seen in documentaries and on TV as a sex expert. So because it's October and Nicoletta loves scary shit, we will be talking about spooky sex later in the episode, which is like fear and arousal, I think. But first, welcome Amy, who will also talk to us about spooky sex. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about spooky sex and everything else on the on the agenda today. (laughs) Before we get to all the spooky stuff, maybe we could talk a little bit about how we um, met and the work that we're doing with pineapple support. Cause I yeah. think it's important. I know all of our si- listeners, um, also like and support sex workers since they listen to our podcast. Um, so yeah. What is pineapple support? And if you don't, thank you for educating yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. and now you're going to learn. So, um, pineapple support is great. It's a nonprofit that offers subsidized mental health services to performers in the adult industry. And aside from offering lower sliding scale, free or low cost, uh, therapy, um, they also connect with services. So I know they're going to start connecting people with services that are like law services. They also have been, I've been helping with some volunteer outreach with seven cups, which is a listener text-based listening app. So you can download that. Let's say you're having a tough day and you just want someone to listen. You can go to seven cups and there are listeners there, but you can actually sign up as a volunteer through pineapplesupport.org. And you then will be a listener to performers in the adult industry. It's totally anonymous. So you can be a listener or for those performers out there who want more support, they can go onto this app through Pineapple Support. Wait, and when you say be a listener, like someone who just listens? Yeah, you just listen. You take a 20-minute um, YouTube course, whether you're a therapist or not. So I had to do it too, because I'll do this myself. I didn't even know this was part of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is actually great. This is like my exciting thing of the week. So um, yeah, so you know how sometimes we all like, I don't know, I do, lay in bed and go down wormholes on Instagram or just look at your phone. If you find yourself doing that, what a much better thing to do to sign on this app and be a listener. So you take this 20-minute class online for free on how to do more active empathetic listening and the role is not to be a therapist the role is just to like be a listener and have understanding for somebody else that wants to talk or vent so for those who can or maybe don't feel comfortable going to a therapist yet you just want somebody on the other end this is a really great app and it the it does have a specific chapter just for adult performers but anybody can use this app so the app is seven cups. And if you go to pineapple support, you can volunteer to be a listener. So, um, I think this is a really awesome thing, but this is one of many ways that pineapple support, uh, supports the performers in the adult industry. So Nicoletta and I both work as therapists with them. So we'll take clients that are on a sliding scale and they pay what they can and the, um, nonprofit subsidizes or contributes to that for them to be able to access services with specialized professionals. Yeah, so they I, just do a copay and then pineapple pays for the rest. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I have a few questions. First of okay. all, um, is it limited to performers in the adult industry as defined as uh, adult film actors, like porn performers, or does this also include like strippers or like more full service sex workers? Like who is allowed to benefit from pineapple support services? Well, they do have to have some limitations on that only because there's only so much funding mm-hmm. and. The person that started it was a performer and wants to focus on the specific demographic after having seen a few suicides in the industry really impact others. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, you have to have performed in some type of thing within six months to be considered eligible for these particular services from this particular nonprofit. That's not to say that there are other opportunities to find support if you are not in that criteria. Yeah, I think like cup, Cupcake Girls 
and um, the one in Vegas, mm-hmm. um, they do, I think, more full service um, right. sex workers. Yeah. But this is, I mean, performing could be so many things. And especially now yeah. where people aren't making porn films as much as they're making their own content. And that could be Snapchat. That can be um, making content for Pornhub. That could be, it could be so many things um, on camera. So it's pretty much like on camera performing. Um, but definitely if, if that doesn't meet the criteria of somebody that's listening, there's definitely ways that you could reach out to Nicoletta or myself and we could try to connect you to other support services. Yeah, so- but it's really great. Yeah, this sounds I, awesome. I, I have so many questions. Can I just ask you both questions yes, about this? Go. <laughs> yeah. I feel like for once, I, not for once, but like I feel like this time, like yes, I'm interviewing interview me. <laughs> two people. Um, so why is it called go pineapple? Ahead. So pineapple is the number one safe word um, that people use with BDSM and other practices. You which, know so much more about pineapple than <laughs> I. Well, you know what's pineapple weird? as a as a safe word. You know what? I don't know what unconsciously, like what people are putting in the people's brains to make pineapple be the safe word. But I remember growing up and being in family therapy with my family. And the word that the therapist at the time told us to use if an argument in my family got to be too overwhelming is just say pineapple. And that's the word everybody goes in their own room and you can take a break from the conversation. So I don't know if this is like a universal safe word, pineapple, or was my family therapist in the 80s into BDSM? Who knows? Well, safe but- words, my safe word with my <laughs> sister for overwhelming fights is poppy seed, which is not that different. That's cute. I mean, has, have any of you used pineapple insects? Like, not the safe word. Like, have you used a pineapple? No, but you know, oh, there is yeah. that correlation with pineapple, like making men's semen taste better. That's like this urban myth that may or may not be. I mean, I think diet can impact your taste, but I don't know. And the sugary. So yeah, sure, maybe. But that is like a correlation. So I don't know. It's like, do you feel safer if semen is better tasting? And maybe that's <laughs> where I came from. I don't know. Pineapples aren't like very comfortable. Like I wouldn't want to cuddle with a pineapple. <laughs> Okay, let's be Unless nice to the pineapples. Looking. Pineapples need affection too. I mean, they're cute. They're cute. But yeah, I mean, they're not like soft fruits. Like I would think like a kiwi is softer. But anyway, yeah. So it's it's the number one. That is safe so word. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I have another question. Um, are all the therapists that are affiliated with pineapple, do they specialize in catering to sex workers or is it just, or is there any specific sex worker related training that these therapists undergo um, in case they just want to be like, hi, I'm a therapist and I would like to provide my services that don't necessarily have, you know, the sex work experience or the sex worker or working with sex workers experience that both of you have. I mean, I think the whole point is to make sure that whoever the providers are and the practitioners are informed at mm-hmm. least, and very mm-hmm. like open and non-judgmental and sex mm-hmm. positive because it wouldn't be helpful if you sent, you know, a sex worker or a performer to a therapist and they were like, well, clearly all your problems are because you're into porn and which like, happens. yeah, you have an issue. Yeah. Which happens. Mm-hmm. And that's horrible. And so I think it's, it's more of a, um, you have to like apply or you get asked or like a friend refers you because they know yeah. that you're a safe person. And so it's specifically, you know, people who are kind of already, um, maybe working with sex workers. Yeah. The Leah who, um, does all of who, the founder, she personally looks through every application, talks to people, right? So they should be sex positive, but they don't have to be already working with sex workers. There's many areas of the country where maybe there aren't as many sex workers, but they still need to connect to resources. So they're really needed in certain areas. Like right now we're looking for therapists in Atlanta. We're having a hard time finding sex positive therapists that want to work with pineapple support there. So if anyone listening is in a a therapist in Atlanta, go to pineapple support and apply. Um, But typically, yes. I mean, I think that people that already are comfortable with this population are going to be specifically motivated to reach out and try to be therapists with them. But you know, the reality is there is no like, sex worker therapist certification program. Um, there's not even a, an, a body that licenses sex therapists. So we already don't really have one single credible thing that we all agree on as being the, the credibility. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty dangerous, I would say, yeah. for a consumer because anyone can say, I practice sex therapy. And I think unless you're in Florida, there's no real governing body. Wait, Florida that, like, has looks- one? I didn't know that. Yeah, Florida has a lot more. Um, I don't know the specifics, but I know that like you have to have a specific license to like be a sex therapist there versus like anyone can say they practice sex therapy, but like 
most therapists only get one unit of classes. Right. That's the, um, the challenge. Sex. Unless you've reached out. Like the ethical thing in our, our field for our license is if you have additional supervision, education, or experience in any area, you can say that this is an area you're an expert in. But there's no actual specifics to that. So like in my case, I sought out an additional degree. I've been published. Clearly, I'm very active by doing this podcast. I'm very active in this community. Um, but you never know. There's no way to tell unless you kind of research the practitioner. So most of the practitioners that are interested in this clearly are going to be interested for a reason. But for pineapple support, she does vet people out. So the people are going to be, um, you know, she's going to look into why they would be an appropriate fit for this specific population. That's interesting. You said, is there like a training course or something? So one of the things that we're talking about doing now, just like Nicoletta and I did recently education videos for people that are performers in the industry about mental health. We were thinking about getting together and doing videos for therapists outside of this circle that we're all in for how to work with sex workers. What are Mm. the things you need to know? What are the terminologies you might hear? Because if you're working with anyone in any population and you're like, wait, what does that mean? Wait, I don't understand. And there's a certain amount of that that's pretty normative, but it can be really disruptive if you know nothing about the population. Then they're spending the whole time like teaching you about the... Yeah, then your client becomes your teacher completely and then that changes the therapy. But I also think not everyone who is a performer or a sex worker who comes to therapy is looking for support around their job. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of them are, you know, focusing on other relational issues, anxiety, depression. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, like any other client. And so... I think it's important too to at least I sort of preface this to my clients that um, I mean their work is their work and right. just like anyone else, work can impact your life and the balance mm-hmm. of your life. Um, but it doesn't have to be more stressful than mm-hmm. any other potential job. Yeah, um, I think it can be, and there may be you know certain things that are different stress mm-hmm. uh, like on your body uh, when you're like preparing for a you know performance or a scene. Um, but I think it's important like not to assume. Um, that it's because of the sex work that's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's pineapple support. And that's one thing that Letta and I both do. My one last question is, um, in your experience, you mentioned that, you know, it's really just, it seems in part really just about having a therapist who is understanding and non-judgmental of your job the same way you'd want to hire, you know, find a therapist that's like not judgmental of your political party or like if you've had an abortion or things like that. But I am curious if there are any needs specific to sex workers that or performers in the adult industry that you feel that pineapple support really does provide and like fill a sort of care lacuna in that sense. Hmm. I think that um, one thing is creating a a little bit more of a cohesive sense of community um, with the discussion about mental health. I went to a model house that they had the other day through Fancentro, which is another like adult content website. Mm -hmm. They had this house and they all got to go there and there was, it was actually really cool. Free giveaways, free food. Um, There were supposed to be puppies, like uh, emotional support animals coming and, you know, but they had them all in this one house. Obviously, the benefit to them is they're getting content for their brand, but they brought us in to have a discussion about mental health. So we got to sit with them in a group through Pineapple, uh, myself and Moshumi Ghosh, another sex therapist friend of ours, and just have this really nice open discussion about mental health and they were supporting each other. So here's an opportunity to create a sense of community. And that's good in whatever industry you're in, having a sense of community that supports you in terms of sexual health and your identity and communication. So I do think that they do help bridge that in an industry where there's not a lot of support from typically a lot of the companies as much. And now you're seeing a little bit of a shift, I think, in it. I think also just logistically um, being open to scheduling Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes people get called into shoots like day of or the night before. Um, and so usually you kind of commit to like one time each week for someone to have their appointment. But I think there's some, I mean, this may be true just for any like creative person in LA, but like having more, like all of my clients yeah. are like this. Yeah, I mean, flexibility. I have some clients that are nine to fivers, but I think, um, working in West Hollywood, a lot of my clients are like in production and, or writers, um, actors, creatives. models, creatives, musicians, so very unconventional schedules um, and a lot of traveling. So I see the same things with the performer clients and sex worker clients that I have with just people who have very LA jobs of, you know, traveling out of town quite a bit or last minute bookings and meetings. So, yeah. um, but I do see, yeah, pineapple does support that. But I feel like a lot of our colleagues in a, a Los Angeles that work with creative type job people 
also have an understanding as therapists with that type of thing. Like I'm really flexible with my clients as far as like rescheduling and moving things around because, you know, I'm totally fine. I have a, a cancellation policy, but aside from that, I'm like, we don't need to have every Monday at three. And if you can't stick to that, I'm going to fire you as a client, which I have heard of happening. Yeah. It's more to like guarantee that I can fit them into my schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about firing clients? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it happens. Um, I've only had to do it once and it was a situation where a client presented to be a danger to me. And in that situation, I, I really didn't want to have to, but I had to consult with a lawyer and say like, is this a situation where I, I can terminate this client? And and I did in that circumstance, but it was, it was definitely um, like an unstable person making uh, a threat. Mm. Uh, so that was only one time. But, but as a therapist, therapists can definitely terminate with clients and for a variety of different reasons. Um, if they've met their goals, it's kind of ethical if your client meets all their goals yeah, that you set out to terminate. I've heard about this. Yeah, but I also- a therapist you know, has a lot never of my... told me I was graduating. Yeah. <laughs> you still have a lot of work to do. No, I mean, okay, I, I, I don't really look at it that way. I, I think getting ongoing support is really beneficial. I see a therapist. I go in and out of therapy myself, not when I have a problem to solve, but when I just feel like I need general support. My family's not in Los Angeles. My friends have their own lives. So it's really important for me to have- a support person, especially mm-hmm. being a therapist. Um, so I think it's, you know, I, you know, but, but a therapist can terminate with a client for doing that. Have you ever um, terminated? Yeah, I've had to terminate. Um, actually, I had to terminate with a, a pineapple person because there was a conflict of interest. Oh. Um, because I had, I think that's maybe one thing in the adult industry just because there's so many overlaps of people like yeah. dating and working together. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So potentially like, that's like an ethical consideration of times I've had to terminate where like when I realized that there was too close of an overlap yeah. between two clients, That's I had tough. to terminate. Oh, two separate clients that you were. Two How'd you yep, pick? distinct okay. clients. <laughs> well, see, I was seeing one for yeah, a I long time. And then yeah, Le- long, length and longevity. Yeah, and yeah. someone was like, I'd seen them twice. And then as soon as I realized, I was mm-hmm. like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I it would, is a I don't small think I world. Like, had to, it would suck to have to pick like years later. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the favorite? Yeah, yeah, no, that would be a terrible that position be terrible. to be in. Um, <laughs> because sometimes you don't know. Like I, I've had a few situations where clients have referenced other clients, but it's not like they were lovers, partners, roommates or something where it was close enough to terminate. But I thought, wow. Or I hear about people I know personally from clients, but it's I've had to remind clients recently, I had a client that talked about somebody that I'm a Facebook friend with, but I have like 3,000 Facebook friends. I'm not hanging with these people. So my client had brought up somebody that was a Facebook friend that particular client did not care for. And I reminded the client and said, no specifics, but I just want to remind you that if we have anybody mutually in common that I personally spend personal time with, not a Facebook friend, but somebody who I actually hang out with, I would definitely disclose that to you. And we would talk about if it's appropriate for us to still be seeing each other as a therapist and a client. But if you were to happen to bring up people that I know of that I have no personal relationship with, for example, if we're Facebook friends, um, you know, I would just want you to know that and trust me that if I had more of a relationship with that person that I would disclose that to you. And so I didn't say, hey, that person you mentioned, I know of them, but pretty much I implied that to them and emphasized that through that statement. Mm-hmm. But it's a small world. What's the danger? <laughs> firing. I don't like saying firing clients, though. I think that sounds yeah. like know. we like did termin- something terminate. wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I, I have had to um, terminate with a client before because I had certain boundaries that um, I needed from them <clears throat> and they weren't willing to like work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so based, they were, they had some like suicidal ideation and um, they kept like no showing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like basically a no show is like when you have an appointment and then you don't say anything. And so they, they needed like a higher level of well, care. You don't we show were meeting, up. Yeah. We mm-hmm. were meeting twice a week. And so I needed to like check in with them. Mm-hmm. And so they would do these like no shows all the time after we talked about it and talked about it. And for me, it was, um, like a dangerous liability because mm-hmm. every time they wouldn't come in, I'm like, well, did they kill themselves this time? Um, mm-hmm. And so we had a few talks about it of being like, you know, how is this coming up in other areas in their life? And also like just what my boundaries were and what was sort of required um, from them to like show up and to, and to be there. Um, you know, it's different if they cancel and check in, but like, I wouldn't hear from them mm-hmm. um, for like the whole day. Yeah. And Ugh. so they kept doing it and I was like, look, I can't um, like ethically, 
this, you know, I'm concerned and this doesn't make sense. And so, um, after we had the conversation a few times, I had to be like, look, I can't work with you under these circumstances. Um, like I don't feel comfortable. Um, so that was the only time I really feel like I've had to say it to somebody other than when there's a conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I haven't had a conflict of interest with somebody I'd already started with, but I definitely have people that have reached out where I've said, okay, I'm aware of who you are. And I know that our worlds are just a little too close. So I'm going to go ahead and refer you to Nicoletta or so wait, you what's know, somebody the concern, else. Though? Like what's the concern it, well, if like they talk license. about someone that you mm-hmm. know, it's like just not allowed well, or there's like an actual. No, 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 no. I mean, the, the concern for our license as therapists, we can't have dual relationships with people. So if you were my BDSM club play partner and also my client, like obviously that's two relationships. If you were my um, house cleaner and my client, if you, you know, were my neighbor and my client, if the relationships are two separate relationships, that's going to affect the therapeutic relationship. So um, it's more for dual relationships and also the client feeling safe. So if the client feels that you're hanging out with their ex-boyfriend um, mm. they might not really feel comfortable disclosing fully what they need to to work on their own mental health. So you, I know I give a lot of that decision and that um, agency to the client in those situations. But if I feel like it's too close, like I have people reach out that are on my Facebook and think they say, well, you know, I never thought about therapy, but I saw you post that you're a therapist and, you know, maybe I should see you as a therapist. And I say, well, you know, we're already Facebook friends and we have all these people in common. I'd be happy to give you some referrals to people that are really qualified that are a little outside the circle. So, you know, and then my other therapist friends do that with me. So we just, you know, share referrals and it's fine, but it's mostly client comfort and also the ethical and legal issue of dual relationships with our license. Mm -hmm. Which sometimes you can't avoid because of like a small community. Right. If it's a small community, there might only be one therapist. Like we see this a lot in the kink and poly community in Los Angeles, um, that the people that are therapists that work with these communities are specifically motivated to do this because they understand. And typically they understand because they either have a direct or indirect relationship to this community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the people who are in poly and kink relationships, there's a chance that they are like indirectly associated to you you know so I, I have a therapist friend that goes to commercial dungeons really frequently and they've run into quite a few clients while doing like kink scenes and then their goal or their boundary is you know i'm not going to scene with you and if i'm too close like if i see you i'll just i'll i as a therapist will step away and do something somewhere else so sometimes it's unavoidable and you just talk about what those boundaries are so Amazing. I have learned so much. Thank you both for coming on Sluts and Scholars. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the interview. Uh, Well, let's talk talk about spooky sex. Oh, that's my favorite. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk. I know you had more questions when we were talking about pineapple stuff, but that would have been my like segue of like other, like, okay, you haven't had sex with a pineapple, but like, what have you had sex with? Yeah, or does pineapple scare you? If pineapples scare you, maybe that's your spooky sex. Well, see, I, I think Halloween is my favorite time of year because I definitely notice a similar sense of like arousal to fear that uh-huh. I do to like maybe the kinds of sex that I like to be having. Mm-hmm. So like when I go and I get scared at like a haunted house or something, I'm like, not like I'm turned on. Well, maybe sometimes. Um, we're Wait, going to Nicoletta, tonight, so maybe I'll um, be turned we're on. going to the haunted hayride right after this. Are you telling me you're going to be aroused the whole time? Potentially. <laughs> okay. Well, I did go to one recent. I did go to one recently where they're allowed to touch you, and they oh. like touched you very sensually. So they would like caress, like what was caress your neck. This was in. Um, at Penhurst Asylum in Pennsylvania. Oh, that's where I'm from. I'm from Philly. It was awesome. Yeah, I haven't actually been to that, but it's supposed to be one of the best um, haunts in the country. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, and so they would like caress your neck and like grab your Did hair. Did you sign a consent form? I think it's uh, when you buy the ticket. Okay. Um, Let me just tell you a quick story. Um, there was a haunt in Los Angeles that was really popular for a second. I don't know if they do it anymore. And it was a few years ago and it was called Blackout. Yes, I've heard of it. So I went to this on a, se- like a, dungeon a second date um, with a conservative vanilla guy. Who, was uh, it your idea to go? Yeah. Um, and But I, did, I didn't know how extreme it would be. And I also have like... TMI, self-disclosure, I have a lot of issues with touching. So if you notice, I give people like half hugs and the pat hugs. People criticize my hugs. 
So I don't really like strangers touching me. It's a thing. So you go in and you sign a release form um, right away and you don't go in with your friend. It's all by yourself. So it's like not a great date idea. You go into this totally black room. You can see nothing. They put a bag on your head. There was a plastic bag on my head. It's one of my favorites. And the I mean, didn't you, did you know this going into it? No. No, they just said whatever. And there was a safe word. I think it was red. I think it was say, not red. Pineapple. Not pineapple. It was like red. And like, I think, um, gonna, excuse me, I'm going to use <laughs> pineapple. <laughs> well, I'm also very stubborn. I'm like, I'm not saying the safe word. I can do this. And so this man puts this bag on my head. It's pitch black. I don't even, well, okay. I'm assuming it's a man because he had big fingers, but um, it could be a lady with big fingers or a non-binary big fingered person. Who knows? But um, they told me to open my mouth and they put their fingers in my <sighs> mouth, but the bag was on my head so it was through a barrier you're and literally feeling- describing some of my favorite things <laughs> well <laughs> uh, yeah so then they were like feeling my molars like in the back of my <gasps> mouth that was one room that was only one room i know right i'm like in my, I, I, sounds I, more like a dungeon visit and then there was a room where it gets worse there was a room of first of all they take your shoe but only one shoe and they make you crawl and i actually had my my knees were bleeding, which was like, I'm like, is this, am I supposed to be bleeding? Cause I was crawling on concrete in this building in downtown LA. And that, mind you, again, this was marketed like in a mainstream, this isn't a BDSM thing. Um, and then there was a room where there was a TV on like the, the snowflake, you know, what's that like sh- white noise kind white of noise. Uh-huh. And there was a, and there were, there were like what looked like used condoms all over the floor, but they were just out of the packages and you would crawl in like hundreds of used condoms. And there was a naked man, really actually naked on a bed pretending to masturbate. And he was calling you a fucking bitch. And I'm like, what is this? And then I'm just thinking like, I'm imagining like gangster guys going through this. I'm like, oh my God, if there's some homophobic dude walking through the room when there's like a guy jerking off and you're crawling through condoms, like, is this going to go well? I like cool for me but like geez and then there was something where they slam you against the wall and then you had to like rescue this girl and put your hand in a toilet to get a key and like run around and and you're by yourself anyway and you're by yourself so when i got out of it my date was just a few minutes behind me going through his own experience (laughs) and we just like were silent afterwards because i'm like i literally got like my molars molested i'm bleeding on my knees i'm missing a shoe i just saw a guy's penis that i didn't know i was gonna see but you signed the consent form so they say there's nudity and sexual themes i had no idea anyway that was so did you like it oh yeah I, I liked it, but it was definitely like, well, that happened anyway. Um, uh, okay, it, I'm it, like it a little turned on right now, I have to be honest. Yeah, you can look it up. It's called Blackout. I don't know if they're still doing it, but I can imagine like somebody who has traumas or phobias or certain opinions like might not do well in this environment. Or there's that really intense one, McKamey Manor. Oh, oh my God, where they design it for you and like like they spend for oh my god this is my dream yeah if you sound more well i've thought about i thought about doing it myself it's it's literally you sign like a 20 page consent form to be abused for up to like 10 hours what level of abuse anything like um i mean it's pretty much anything like they say obviously you have to sign like your life away but i don't Mm -hmm. think anyone's died but there have been people who have like said they've been you know traumatized um they basically like kidnap you and have you for hours i think they have incorporated a safe word now but you can choose to not have a safe word too um you're consenting to take away your ability to consent in the moment they like waterboard you yeah i think you like fill out a questionnaire about like all your fears and shit and they like cater it to you Mm-hmm. Although I also just looked up Blackout and it's in New York this year and I am going to go, go. and then do a podcast about it. Also text Nicoletta if you want to come. It is October 2nd to November 4th and I know you're going to be here on the East Coast. Oh, you guys should go. No, she, I hope she's, they do she's your not molars. coming to New York. Oh. I mean, it, it does sound like other, you know, parties and events that I've been to with a kink theme. <laughs> right. But when it's outside of the kink culture, I think that's interesting because people are actually signing something consent to do things that are invasive and sexual in nature. And they're obviously getting a rush off of it. So I think it's kind of like tricking people into being kinky or maybe that's just how I'm seeing it. Well, I mean, <laughs> that finger <laughs> thing, that, I mean, we've talked about this, well, okay, I think, before on the, the whole podcast. punchline. The whole punchline of the whole thing is, okay, so the guy gets out and I go, oh my God, the guy jerking off in the room. And he's like, I know. And I go crawling through condoms. He's like, I know. And then I'm like being in the dark. He's like, I know. And then I'm like, and the bag on your head with the fingers in your mouth. He goes, what? (laughs) He didn't get fingers in his mouth. (laughs) Only I did. (laughs) So that was a thing. And I'm like, are you bothered by that? 
I don't know if I'm bothered or I feel special. <laughs> so, I mean, it was with, again, it was with the bag. He had the bag over the head, but he didn't get the fingers in the mouth. So I'm like, well, I mean, I kind of like, but it was dark. Work. So I didn't know it was pitch like. black. Yeah. I, I don't know. But yeah, so that was a thing, but I think you should go. And I think it's really exciting. And I think this kind of segues into the feeling that we can talk about of arousal and fear and things that are taboo. I love Halloween too. It's absolutely linked. And I had the opposite response. I've gotten to this really weird place where as a grown up goth person, um, I actually don't really love October as much because I'm like this grumpy grown up goth, like, Mm, this is my life all year. <laughs> now everybody wants to play like I like to play where they made fun of me and now they want to dress up and then October's over and nobody paints their b- nails black anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> like I purposely won't paint my nails black in October because I'm like, nope, not doing it. Like the rest of the year. I will fine. do it for Christmas. Oh no, I agree. Yeah, but but I do enjoy the general enthusiasm about more horror movies that are being played in mainstream film spaces and people want to talk about this stuff more. I think people get a little kinkier because there's more stuff kind of on display. Um, And I think people will get out of their shells a little more. And I think that's something we can all do just a little more often, but that, that, you know, arousal to fear and being spooky, things that are taboo are genuinely attractive. I mean, if you feel like you need October as the cloak under which you can explore kink, like I guess do it. You're exploring it. Yeah. What are some other spooky I don't know. I don't want to label it as, as like bad things, obviously, because these are well, all then that, 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 that kind of makes like. it sound sexy too, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but we like, can any, any term things? we use when we say spooky or bad. I mean, we're all just talking about things that it's are taboo. generally regarded as taboo that can be arousing. So I think all these things are really positive and great, whether you want to dress up like, you know, do I think clowns are sexy? Of course. <laughs> like, And do we call that spooky? Some person might. <laughs> Um, you why know, people, why are people so afraid of clowns? Oh, it's interesting. I recently went to the clown museum, um, a clown hall of fame, uh, in, in, um, Wisconsin this what? year. Yeah. I went out of my way to go to Wisconsin to go to, um, the, um, Barnum, uh, or not Barnum, uh, Ringling. Oh my gosh. Ringling. Yes. You got it. I went to the Ringling. The Ringling family is from Wisconsin and I went to their hometown and got to see their original like place where they would train all the circus people and the clown hall of fame is there, which is just, it's just one room. But, um, the guy running it was telling me there's a lot of stigma about clowns and it's really unfair when people are scared of them. But think about when you're young and you see this like bigger than life person, you know, it is uncomfortable unless you're told this is supposed to be funny. Why would you not be frightened by something that's unknown? Um, and they also always look happy. That's unnatural. But yeah, I mean, and then also our culture, like think about how many things play on that, like the movie It and the remake of It mm-hmm. and uh, the Joker. You know, it's there's a there's an irony about something that's always supposed to be happy not being that way too. But I just think it's sexy. I think clowns and black lipstick are sexy. It's kind of my thing. Clowns and what? In black lipstick. Black lipstick. Interesting. What? It's so weird that we're bringing up clowns as I was walking to the library today. I see this woman who's like, she's a clown, like suspenders, wig, nose, cheeks. And she like has these balloons and she's like, does anybody want these balloons? Like, I don't want these balloons. <laughs> like, I'm trying to give away these balloons. Like, please, like, I don't want them. It was like super, she wasn't like jolly about it. She was just like, trying to offload these balloons on West 3rd and McDougal. It was like the weirdest. That's really interesting. Yeah. But you know, clowns are real people too. And they maybe are annoyed with things and, you know, but I, I I think that, uh, yeah, clowns are definitely, and all these things that are considered like spooky or Halloween-y, those are real kinks for other people that are lifestyle. There are lifestyle sexual clowns. There are people that are um, sexual vampires. That's a a thing that's very, very real. Oh, sexual vampires or like even psychic vampires. That's a lifestyle. So there's people who are into blood play, but not all vampire people are blood play people. Um, And not all blood play people identify as vampires. Right, maybe. I mean, it's I. It can be very good for your skin. So, <laughs> give us your blood. Yeah, I one time had blood lotion made from my own plasma. Um, really? It's, yeah, yeah. And did it, was, it make your skin? I don't soft? know. I don't think so. I yeah. I just I did it once. It was expensive. You're fucking I use weird. It. I, I love use it. I know, it. Right? I use I use Neutrogena now because it's more. <laughs> affordable. But How basic. I, put, I, I know put my amazing. menstrual blood on my face as a mask once. I don't think that's harmful. But I didn't. Well, is it? Is it? What's the opposite of Helpful? harm? 
healthful. A lot helpful. of people use like stem cell stuff in, in their Right. Products. I mean, that's what the, the plasma, the, the blood lotion use. I had was. It was, yeah. you know, people do the vampire facials, but I mean, I, you know, whatever, whatever's your thing, but vamp- yeah, vampire people, psychic vampires, like it's a spiritual energy connection. There's people that just eroticize vampires. I mean, really, Thanks. why were we all reading? Not all. I'm just talking about myself. Why were we all reading Anne Rice in the nineties? Um, oh, because it's all very erotic. About this sh- that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But vampires are very eroticized, you know, so why wouldn't that be a kink that people identify with if it's especially in literature that it's this highly erotic character and sexual? We all have our nightly routines. Maybe you watch your favorite show or scroll through Instagram or try to finish your law school reading. But if your me time routine has gotten stale, Dipsy Stories can help respark your imagination. Dipsy is an audio app full of short and sexy stories. There's also guided sessions, which are designed to turn you on. There's stories about strangers meeting on the beach in Mexico or seeing that ex you can't stop thinking about on the subway or a partner who wants to up the ante in the bedroom. They add three brand new stories every week, so you'll always have more to explore. Basically, whatever you're in the mood for, Dipsy always keeps it real and really hot. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S-N-S. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash S-N-S. Dipsystories.com slash SNS. You're going to love it. Let's go back to the blood play thing. So oh, actually, yeah. we, we went to an event recently, and I know you went to another one. I went to a blood thing, but it wasn't specifically a sexual blood thing last night, but it was a bloody What event. do you think differentiates erotic, um, like blood and hook play mm-hmm. um, from like non-erotic? Well, I don't, let's, I mean, I'm a very dichotomized person, but let's not look at it in a dichotomized way. So the event I went to last night, let me share, I am sharing all the, fringe stuff right now. I went to an event. All the best stuff. Louis Fleischer. I've been a fan of his since like 15 years ago. He, I think he lives in Berlin. Because you also do photography. Yeah. I started doing photography because I needed a hobby because I was just like, I'm a workaholic and I'm like, I need a fun thing. And then the fun thing turned into kind of a work thing. Um, But I like photographing interesting people. So uh, Louis Fleischer has a company called AMF, Aesthetic Meat Front. Aesthetic Meat Front? Um, Foundation? And they do these performances. So his performance that he did last night was um, there were meat hooks or hooks oh in people's bodies. And there was one woman that was doing suspension. But the primary function of this. And suspension for people who don't know is when you hang from the hooks in your skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he came out and he put people in corners of the room. They were nude. They had hooks in them. The hooks were not attached to anything. And the people were painted with like full white or full black Body paint, most of these people also had like body modifications or gauges, piercings, tattoos. And he wrapped them in paper and drew symbols on them. It was very ritualistic. And then what he did is he had um, his partner put play piercings. And for those who don't know, play piercings are piercings that are temporary for performance or sensation rather than to put body jewelry in. And he put them above his eyebrows in like these vertical ways. And then he went around to all the people, ripped this paper with the symbols off, took their hooks in their body and put a wire from one person into another and then gave drumsticks to the audience members for us to hit the wires to create noise and create music. And as that was happening, the sensation from the the wire movement pulled the hooks on the people and created a sensation. And they also had hooks above their genitals. So if you imagine like, the ultimate vibrator was happening for these people as well. But it was instead of a performance you watch, it was very collaborative. And the intention behind it was body um, autonomy and agency that we do so many unhealthy things to our body with our food and drugs and alcohol and pollution. That if we want to choose to make a scar on our body or do something to our body, we have the choice to do that. And we can exercise that in any way we choose. So that was their intention behind the performance. Um, but there definitely was blood when they removed some of the play piercings, there was blood on people. Um, so it wasn't an intentional erotic event. Can it be eroticized by the individual or the watcher? Absolutely. But it wasn't marketed as an erotic event. I was not turned on sexually, but I can imagine that the women who had 
genital hooks uh, above their vulvas and there was pulling and vibrating. I'm sure that there was a sensation that was very erotic for them. But it was, it was definitely a very cool event to see in a really interesting sense of community. So you say you were aroused, but do you think you had any sort of body, ara- uh, body reaction that I was, was elicited? A, I was aroused in my physical state, but I wasn't sexually aroused. So I was well, very so that's the turned thing, I was on. I differentiating before about like mm-hmm. fear arousal versus like I want to have sex arousal. And like sometimes it feels similar. Right. But other times like arousal is literally just like your nervous system being turned on. Yeah. So I could like hear a loud noise and it's like arousing arousal system, but well, I'm not like or a di- so dysregulation. Like I was more in awe and I was very excited by what was happening. Um, I get very excited by art, but not in a way where I want to go engage in intercourse uh, or masturbate or anything after it. But I was very aroused by it in a way that made me feel motivated and you know, intellectually and creatively turned on. Well, it's really interesting that you're both bringing this up because I don't know if you're familiar with um, Linda Williams, but she is a, Mm. um, like a film scholar and she has done a lot of really interesting research on the intersection between horror films, pornographic films, and melodramas and how they're all actually really linked. And so the fact that you're both picking up on this like fear and sexual arousal thing is super interesting Mm -hmm. because she calls these movies the body genre. So these are films and narratives that are designed to elicit a bodily reaction, right? Horror, white knuckle, eye bulging, like, you know, your heart's racing, melodrama, you're crying, you're holding your friend's hand and like porn is sexual arousal. And so it's really interesting that it's, it's, it's like true. Like there is this really interesting interaction mm-hmm. that you're, that you're feeling in, in these instances that can mm-hmm. be both overlapping and also very distinctive. Mm-hmm. I think this, I mean, to make it a little less fun. Um, I think this relates to some conversations I've had with clients around like sexual assault and physical mm-hmm. response arousal. Um, because I think some level of anxiety, like turns on the body and then like too much anxiety, like then you can't perform. Right. It will shut down the body. Yeah. And so people who have had fear responses during like rape or sexual Mm -hmm. assault may get physically turned on um, Mm -hmm. and that that's normal. And so they may get wet. They may have an orgasm. That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean they like wanted it or were. And then might feel feelings of shame because their body's responding in this way. Yeah, Like how could I feel Mm -hmm. pleasure when I was being assaulted? Mm -hmm. Um, But trying to like explain and educate them about how the body responds. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it like betrays what the mind Mm -hmm. wants. And how that can create a pathway that we might need to work on remapping if they choose to want to do that. Yeah. And sometimes when people have had a sexual experience that is something they didn't consent to, they might develop that into a kink and play that out in a way that feels transformative. Sometimes it doesn't always feel transformative, but sometimes that can feel transformative depending mm-hmm. on the person and the situation. Like a consent, non-consent scene. Right. Or you get to take the power or, back. Right, being a severe submissive or even like them being a top or a dom, a dominant and playing out a similar scene in a consensual way, the way that maybe you'd want it to have played out. So, um, or people that have been assaulted that had certain dilemmas. I had a friend that was assaulted and it required uh, or entailed being tied up. So that person really likes tying other people up now in consensual. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm a big supporter of being able to work through many different issues that you have in a trusting consensual environment, um, whether it was a sexual assault or, you know, your ways of trusting other people or mm-hmm. fantasies. So there's definitely ways that we can heal through sexual behaviors when we do it with people and situations that are ethical and trusting. But it also yeah. doesn't need to be a form of healing, right? Like you can just like want yeah, to be scared, not because you want to yeah. confront like some sort of yeah. trauma. Deep. Because yeah, it's really trauma. interesting yeah, for yeah. me, for me, like I don't. I don't think I have like any sort of severe trauma that I'm trying to overcome except one time I almost drowned when I was 12, but that's like a totally separate thing. Um, oh. You should definitely include that in your McKamey Manor application so they can <laughs> drown you. <laughs> but that's the thing. So see, actually being waterboarded like does feel like it would be good for me. <laughs> right. Well, can, I mean, confronting fears, but not like that, not like, avoiding. I very much like right. want to be afraid like I want to mm. feel fear in controlled circumstances, and I think it's right. That's be- me remapping your trauma, and I th- but not even, no. This is like separate from from like my 
like drowning. Like I don't really think it's like that mm. big of a deal. But um, like I very much not like not specific to waterboarding, but like I very much am like afraid of being afraid, and so mm-hmm. it's like a feeling that I very much want to feel authentically, yet still in a controlled environment. I think the mm-hmm. same thing. Like I'm afraid of being like humiliated or insignificant. So like I want to see what that feels like, so I can like prepare myself. Like should it happen? You sound like an anxious person. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Nicoletta, would you describe me as anxious? Nicoletta says I'm histrionic. I'm thinking. <laughs> well, just worrying about many things most of the time. And yeah, oh, I'm, no. I'm similar. It's not like I'm no. afraid all the time of this stuff. I just like, uh-huh. I've, I've like realized that I want to feel fear. And like, I, th- and so I've been trying to like or, unpack that, right? And like, what does that come also from? And I guess it's like, really oh, organized. I want to feel it. But maybe I'm also just Are a you, sensation seeker. That's a thing too. But that's still what that's still like you're in You're organizing you're in charge, and orchestrating but, and controlling. Yeah. I think um is your Myers Briggs type? Are you an ENTJ or an INTJ? I think I'm ENTJ. Yeah, I knew it. But I'm not sure <laughs> about that. I'm not sure. I'm also an ENTJ. So I'm I'm similar to the way you're describing. That's why I'm like, but oh, I know that okay. personality type. Yeah, I'm not trying to like but the fight need to back like organize your anxiety diagnosis or anything. But <laughs> you're like, I already have so many other diagnoses. Well, not, not that it's someone. anxious, but just like the desire to um, really analyze that and think a lot about it. But that could be more of like the ENTJ or like that um, need to like categorize and organize. But that's also why you're good at being a law student too. Like that's the same. <laughs> it's the I'm same mentality that, that makes you. Well, you're doing it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, because I think you know, it's more, it's a, it more comes from like doing this podcast, right? And like in talking to so many people about this mm-hmm. stuff and like what what their kinks mm-hmm. are and what they explore and things like that. Like thinking more about where mine maybe come from. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I heard a, I heard a kink interest recently. Um, I went to an event from another person who's part of our Pleasure Podcast Collective, um, b- Body Storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, someone was talking about a desire that they had to be um, – basically like buried alive um, <gasps> and okay. so that's a good are there are coffins that people use in their sex play mm-hmm. um but there are also ways to to bury someone in a quote-unquote safer way so you can have like a, a mask Vac bags yeah, a, va- a vacuum bag yeah you can have like a mask that goes out of the coffin mm-hmm. um so that you literally can be buried or asphyxiation play mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's all sorts of like edge play so i mean mm-hmm. not that you have to do that as your f- first like spooky but if you have like this October. Victorian sounding fetish of being buried alive, because that was a very Victorian thing. With the bell around your finger? With the bell. Yeah. They actually, like, you know about dead. that? They made these um, bells that were attached to coffins because they really, people had a very big existential fear that they would be buried alive. And at the time there were situations where people were not actually dead and they didn't detect a heart rate and they were buried and surprise. So it wasn't common, but people had this big fear at that time, these Victorians. So I could see how you, if you were like a scholar or like, I have a friend, she has her PhD in Victorian literature. Like I kind of, in my mind, hope that she has this kink. She doesn't, but <laughs> in my mind, I hope she does because it would be very Victorian it. of her. I would try the buried alive thing. If, you know if what? I, if I trusted oh, yeah, the person I would try I anything once. That makes me anxious just thinking about it. I really don't like being trapped in things and forgotten. <laughs> actually, that is a huge fear of mine. Then actually, like, maybe you should forgotten. be. Like an elevator fetish. Oh my God. That would be so scary. I'm so terrified. Oh my God. No, 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 no. Pineapple. But when you get stuck in an elevator, you can fuck. <laughs> I'd be too scared. I'd be like, oh my God, what if we never oh get God. out? My high school your boyfriend away and from I me. got stuck in an elevator. In my elevator. Did you make out? Did we Did you make- do the sex? We did sex stuff for sure. And oh, then like it yeah. started working. And then we were really only like half a floor below mine. And my parents had been trying to figure it out. So. <laughs> made for some quick readjusting once it started up again so they were waiting for you i mean i i what else would you say is like other spooky sex stuff yeah i mean i'm of? thinking like i'm like oh this is stuff just like people and i know like, do all the time but yeah. to like my my very like uh heteronormative vanilla like. friends like what would seem spooky um well yeah like blood play and um vampire even um for some maybe even just the idea of like wearing a costume feels like yeah that's to them yeah, yeah, it could be. Like, what kind of costumes? I mean, the, the cliche role plays. Yeah, like a, a Grim Reaper thing. Play. Ooh. I don't know anybody that's... I haven't heard that. That's interesting. Oh, I'm just well, trying like to come up cli- with The cliche sex costumes are, like, nurse. Nurse or, you know, like, <laughs> uh, schoolgirl, maid. maid. Yeah. 
Um, Which, like, if you like that, you know, no shame. Mm-hmm. Or people, I wonder if anybody has, like, a pumpkin fetish. Is that, like, a basic, is that basic bitch pumpkin fetish? <laughs> like, but yeah, I mean, maybe it's just pumpkin fetish and pumpkins? Halloween is I just love their fucking time. Yeah, yeah. It's like everywhere they look, it's like, oh my gosh, a pumpkin. I mean, I know people like that. I have a friend who was really into splashing. And when she walked... For people who don't know. Yeah, for people that don't know, splashing is like the use of um, food, specifically like cake. In this case, it was like white cake, Um, like cake sitting and sex around smearing food, specifically cake in this case, on the body. So this woman I know really loved white cakes with pink frosting because she liked to destroy beautiful things. So she would have parties with sexy girls and they'd all sit on cakes and rub cake all over each other and do sexy things. How do you prevent yeast infection? That's my question. Um, Whenever I see, I have seen splashing many times and I'm always like, that is a yeast infection waiting to happen. And so I need to know. Maybe it's just like part of the job. Well, some people are more susceptible than others. And then also, yeah, it's part of the job. I don't participate in splashing behaviors because I'm hypersensitive to those things. So not for me. But she would walk past bakeries and get super aroused. It was just because that was her thing. So it makes me wonder, like, if you're like a spooky person that gets turned on by vampires, these things, is October just like a constant arousal for you? Like, Well, I I have a question. You're like, would you say you're into like... Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or what's, what's, yeah, what's, what's well, going you're up? into like impact, right? Like whips and crops, right? Yeah. And you're also an avid horseback rider, right? Equestrian. Yes. Hot. Could you delve into that intersection, please? <laughs> Speaking of splashing in Magnolia <laughs> let Bakery. Me, let me tell you a film like, recommendation. Well, let me tell you what I recently discovered when I went with my parents to the Hollywood Bowl. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is probably a whole thing. Have you seen The Sound of Music? Yes, of course. Okay, so the dad... Did you do the sing-along? Yes, I did. The sing-along. It was one of the best experiences of my life. Downloaded the soundtrack, been jamming in my car. I Sound of Music inspired tattoos because my my father... What? Oh my... So I've got an Edelweiss and then... (gasps) Nothing, you know. Oh my gosh. Okay, this is a whole other thing we're going to talk about after the podcast. But um, so the dad, he's constantly being all Dom-like and he has a riding crop in this one scene, but there's no horse. And he's all like telling them what to do. And he's like really German or Austrian. And I'm like, am I getting turned on this Hollywood Bowl sing-along? Yeah, but it's... But he has the riding crop and he's really dommy and he's all Austrian. And I'm like, there has got to be sound of music. Kinky people like are and the people are all dressed also, up in people, like Lederhosen. People do like Nazi fetish. Oh, that's a whole thing. Stuff. Yeah, that's definitely a Nazi exploitation. There's films and stuff based on that. And it's also very taboo. I mean, think about the things that are still even in our culture now, something you just don't talk about. And that's one of them. So Captain Von Trapp. Someone out there likes it. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Well, it's at, he's sexy. I oh my mean, God, like, Christopher that Plummer actor, is Oh my God, so when he sings Idlewise, I listen to that and I'm like, yeah, you can sing Idlewise yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, that's the riding crop. And I'm like, do you like, uh, is it Captain Von Trapp? Oh yeah, it's Captain Von, Von Trapp. I think because now. my, Baron. You know, I think Baron. because my dad loves that movie and I think of it like more reminds me of like, dad not daddy stuff i'm like not interested oh um i do like daddies but not my dad <laughs> <laughs> there's a clear uh, line yeah, there's there a clear line between dad and daddy yeah Actually, i went to a um i went to a doctor recently and they were like a kind of a holistic medicine person and um they had they they weren't from here and they were asking about like oh tell me about like uh like what's your daddy like mm-hmm. and i was like <laughs> um can you say dad because like <laughs> Daddy makes me think of something totally different. Um, back to the horse riding thing. I don't think I ever, I never eroticized it. Yeah. Okay. I never did. Yeah. I don't know. But it's just interesting because there definitely is this overlap of like the fetish gear and oh, like a horse riding gear. Do you know where that comes from? I'm reading a book that talks about oh, it right now. Tony, you're such a, a like sex nerd. And I'm I am like, such a sex nerd. A yeah. But it's also really isolating because I talk, I talk sex nerd like if I'm dating somebody, so they're like, yeah, I'm going to date a sex therapist. We're going to like bang all the time. And I'm like, did you know that the penis has this many nerves? And they're like, oh God, you're like this all the time. Like, yeah, I actually am. Um, 
So no, in uh, Weimar, Germany is actually where the transition happened, where equestrian gear, men's clothing was starting to be used as fetish wear. So women would wear like vests and like suit type things, which you see a lot now. And like, even like in the eighties, Madonna replicated that, but that was really a lot of times in the Weimar, Germany period in the 1930s in the cabaret and sex workers, the sex workers there were really fashion forward. They would wear, that was the first time that boots became really eroticized. Um, so that's where it came from. There's a really great book called Voluptuous Panic that I'm reading right now that's um, published by Feral House. You can get it on like eBay or whatever, but it's all about um, Weimar Germany. And a lot of the information about this like very highly sexualized, very extravagant time frame was destroyed by the Nazis. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people didn't have the information about this period of time until later when people were like really digging up the culture and... Um, but yeah, that's where the equestrian fetishism really became prevalent. I do think there's a stigma of like equestrians that like equestrian women are crazy. Uh, Is that a thing? Wild. Like oh. I've just heard this from a lot of people. I've um, never that, heard like, this in my life. Like cuckoo, like like cat people that like horse people are even like weirder and worse than cat people. Like cat ladies. What's up with what's what's wrong with you that? Know how, you know how people are like, oh, crazy cat lady, like crazy I've horse lady. I've never heard crazy horse lady, but it's okay. Carry on. Well, I think that maybe. There is this assumption that because we ride horses that like we're- Are you an equestrian? Mm-hmm. Oh. That like we're wild or kinky or whatever. And I guess in my case that like there is some overlap, but <laughs> I didn't eroticize you know? it when I was riding. But I did have a friend mm. who, um, I hate the expression like popped her cherry because we talk all about like dismantling virginity constructs and all that, but like um, basically broke her hymen while riding. Okay. That makes sense. Not uncommon yeah. at all. Yeah, not mm-hmm. uncommon. So, yeah, like, I did gymnastics yeah. and I did horseback riding as a child. I'm pretty sure I never had a hymen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's it's interesting because some people is like, well, it doesn't like pop like it explodes, but yeah, sometimes like it is tear. from impact yeah. or there will be a tear. But you know, most people I know haven't said no. That yeah, that like hymen just fell out of me and I was bleeding. <laughs> and uh, except like once in a while when people have had it on a first penetration type experience, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, it breaks or sometimes it stretches and doesn't actually break. It just stretches over time. Too. Yeah. yeah. It's I, I literally haven't thought about hymens in so long. Yeah. I wonder. Because I feel like yeah, they're, they're it, just such not a big thing. Like most, a lot of people don't have intact hymens. So it's like not a real way to measure. Like if you've I ever been penetrated. I have seen a hymen. Yeah. You know, come to think of it. Well, I mean like a. <laughs> That's going to be the next thing that you nerd out about is looking up hymens. I'm going to look well, this I wanna, up right I want to have one. I mean, I collect weird things and like I have a placenta. Um, is it, is it dry? to look at her cervix. Is it dry or. It is a wet. I jarred it myself. In formaldehyde. Oh, is it yours? It's my best friend's. That's, she, she gave it to me. She didn't eat it? <laughs> no, that's the only reason they let me leave the hospital with it because they just assumed I was going to, um, what a Prepare. good parent, I'm going to take it and she's going to, you know, go dehydrate it, make pills out of it. But actually, like, I've added it to my collection of weird things I collect. So I put it in um, a jar myself with 80% isopropyl alcohol. Um, so yeah, and I, but I actually don't know anyone that owns a placenta and I'm like, I win. But I, for I'm all the- I'm sorry, you're not. The first person I know with a placenta. Placenta is really cool because it looks like the tree of life. Yeah. Well, it's really heavy. I put a picture on my Instagram. Like, anybody know what this is? And I want to see what people would say. People are like, is that a skinned rabbit? I'm like, no, but that's disturbing. Um, it's just so, I mean, it's, they're very dense. But um, yeah, most of the people I know have dehydrated ones, like in museums, like the Mütter Museum in Philadelphia is a medical museum. And they have um, like dehydrated placentas, but I haven't actually seen jarred placentas in other medical research facilities. So I got one, but I don't have a hymen and I don't know anybody. I've never seen a hymen in a museum. Well, because now I'm going to be searching. I just like, I don't think it's like a thing. I think it's just like, it's a thin piece of tissue. We also have the only way Shannon, who was on a past episode is here. But do you know what a, like, what is a hymen? Like, what does it look like? It's a thin piece of tissue. A thin piece of tissue. But it's a real tangible biological tissue. Yeah, no, I'm looking. I'm, I'm, I've been <laughs> so, researching it. Like, it's not like a thing, really. It's like a... But it's got to go somewhere. Yeah. When it breaks, right? I mean, I, it's very... I think it's very, very, very thin. I don't know. I'm looking right now. Thin layer of tissue. It's incredibly if, hard. If we're wrong, please send it to us. Um, we sadly have to wrap up God, soon. fucking oh, damn it. This was note, so short. Please... Yeah, but please like send us your um, spoopy stories. I like saying spoopy. I don't know why. Spoopy, spoopy, spoopy stories. 
Spoopies. Yeah, that's spoopy, gross. Spoopy. That's disgusting. Send us your, send us your spooky like stories. That's a combination of like shitty scatological humor and also infantilizing words. Ugh. <laughs> Excuse me, are you shaming my little talk? Yeah. Oh my God. Come on. <laughs> I'm so I love than to you. spoopy. I, I like the idea spooky. of having them send you spooky stories, though, because I think a lot of people may not realize that they could be into role play or dress up until October. And they're like, hey, that time we dressed up as a doctor and a yeah, nurse don't was really it fun. To October. That's right. So but it true. could be October or also non October. Yeah, spooky role play, dress up. Yeah, I mean, I, I dressed my partner up as the as Jareth from the Labyrinth. Ooh, and that was a big, you know, David Bowie. Awesome. Well, we've yeah. ta- we've all talked about this before. Yeah, for people that grew up in the '80s and seeing David Bowie in tight pants, and also that even without knowing the knowledge at the time that he was so sexually fluid, you felt it. And also like Daddy Dom, little girl stuff. Yeah, and he also he doesn't like babies. I mean, he's just he hangs out with puppets. It's like my dream man. Wear leather pants. Doesn't like babies. Hangs out with makeup. Can also uh, handle balls. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, dream man. But that was that. I mean, that was my first sexualized um, projection onto a person. Was definitely. I'm like, why do I love labyrinth so much? Anyway, it's so bad. My first sexualized projection onto someone. This is so embarrassing, but it was 100 percent Bill Clinton. Oh, because of this quote scandal? Uh, no, or just even because before. he was. Why? I think, I think <laughs> why? Why? I think I'm just attracted to authority figures. That's hot. Though. Oh, oh, the, the and I like. Yeah, but love... he doesn't feel very authority. Though. I mean, he's the president, but like, I think I just thought that like it was the person who was the most in charge of anything. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's what Monica Lewinsky felt. Like, here's this very, it's very validating. He's in charge of a lot, but he I mean, doesn't seem very commanding. She felt just like coerced because he was the president of the United States. <laughs> yes. Yes. Power dynamics. Power dynamics. So right. Yeah. Um, but Bill Clinton isn't like. I mean, out of all the presidents ever, I think he would. I mean, maybe oh my god, no, he's so sexy. That back. I'm like the least like really. Oh yeah, he's so sexy. <laughs> it's terrible. This is like the worst thing about me. It's like, um, how do you think much um, I would want to fuck Bill Clinton? Nixon or Clinton? Clinton. Oh really? Really? Fuck Mary Kill. Yeah, Clinton. Nixon. <laughs> Clinton. JFK. <laughs> Trump. <I'll take> JK. <laughs> oh. JK. 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 That's obvious. But what would you be doing yeah, to someone's Trump? Someone's going to be listening I mean, to it this. Depa- it depends what you would do to Trump. Be- like, would it be like intimacy or would it be like if you have fetishes and denial Trump in your spooky sex oh, please so email curious. us Ooh. like for the people who do like the nazi role plays maybe i'm sure there are trump oh yeah well there. yeah so oh, i used to like, like kiss the tv when bill clinton came on and Ooh, that's not comfortable uh yeah i know i was seven um and <laughs> <laughs> i like still remember like the static you feel when you like kiss the tv <laughs> like this is i'm not even joking did you eroticize, anyway. did you eroticize that like the tv static because if you were like i mean no. is that okay that's probably I mean, what you got excited so. when you were talking felt- about that blackout room yeah well, oh my god well i literally went on blackout it's in new york this year i'm gonna buy a ticket i've like been texting people who want to go with me nobody wants to go with me but I'll find some. I, well, if I live if there, I, I would. There. Yeah, I'll be. I'll be in. Um, I'll be on the East Coast in December. So if there's spooky stuff, I will join you then. But unfortunately, all the fun stuff ends when October ends. Well, it but. doesn't have to for you. So if you learn, no. if you gleaned anything from this episode, you can do weird shit, weird shit all year long. Um, Mm-hmm. Yep. No so shame. Sad. Follow have- you and find the weird shit that uh, that you. Oh do. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, the perfectly you can normal find therapy. Me and my weird shit. <laughs> but also, you know, it's interesting. As therapists, we somehow attract clients that unconsciously have things in common with us. I have a, quite a few clients I see that definitely have some parallel interests and do not know that I have these interests, which I think is really cool. And I may or may not share that depending on the situation with them. But yeah, yeah you can find me and all my spooky stuff non-spooky actually um my website's just my name dramyharwick.com which my website's like a online business card not very exciting maybe one day i'll change that but i'm on instagram and facebook just with my name dr amy harwick uh, amy is a-m-i-e last name is h-a-r-w-i-c-k and if you are not in los angeles and not looking for therapy but you do have questions or need to be connected to resources you know shoot me a message i'm very responsive so you know, you can find me on those platforms and uh, I wrote a book and I'm a therapist and uh, I also will answer questions and I post a lot of memes. And so. if you're selling your hymen tissue, 
Yeah, no, I won't. Well, you can't buy human yeah, you tissue. You can't buy There's human laws stuff. about that. Oh, sorry. If you'd like to gift your high right. tissue. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm like <laughs> marketing right here. I mean, also, Amy is like very, very pretty. So I'm just throwing that out there too. Not give that me that. your hymen. <laughs> just like give her your hymen. She's so pretty. Yeah. She'll talk to you. Really, we could have gone through a whole, but I actually do collect um, things that are medical and historically related to women's, women's challenges and women's shame. So I have like um, replicas of torture devices and stuff that were anything used to shame women for, you know, being sexual on women. So um, the placenta what? is part of my bigger collection. Oh yeah. I have shame masks. I have a pair of anguish, heretic fork. I mean, I got it all. I have a malleus maleficarum. If you know what, what that is, is. No, it's the, it's called the witch's hammer. I have the second edition from 1492 and it was the book. Columbus the ocean women. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Carry on. It's a, it's a knee jerk. Um, it, it was, it was the second book made on the, the printing press after the Gutenberg Bible. So it's a rare book and um, judges would use the Bible and this book, the malleus maleficarum to sentence witches to death, which, you know, weren't even usually Wiccans or pagans. They were just women being sexual uh, or themselves or that read books. And so this book was a book used to condemn women to death a lot. Yeah. Lots, oh God, I want to see your collection. Okay. Yeah. You're so come, come visit. Yeah, I should. <laughs> I should. Well, if you want to follow but, the like less exciting stuff that we're doing yeah. <laughs> on Instagram at sluts and scholars on Twitter at sluts scholars. And please email us your spooky stories. Yeah. No. Sluts and scholars. Yeah. And even more importantly, please, please, please. If you listen to this episode, especially if you listen on Apple podcasts, please rate and review us. It helps you far more that it helps us far more than you could ever know um and it's free potentially even and more than supporting you us on our patreon patreon.com slash lots and scholars anyway this has been a great fucking episode thanks for having me you guys i love sex nerd stuff and i love the topics that we covered and i'm so excited for your spooky stories coming in so thank you for existing and creating a space where we can talk about you know these types of subjects and let people know that pretty much everything's okay just like be ethical and communicate and do whatever you want and have a good time and do the sex <laughs> fuck <Thank> yeah you. <laughs> bye, bye. bye.